It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now. Where all good books are sold, and you can get a copy of this book right now. While you're watching or listening to this very show, just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com, dot com, not dop. Come on, Billy C. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting uh, Tom Molino's story told. And if you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit uh, our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Uh, It's right there. And just follow the directions. Now, if you're looking to uh, get... Uh, multiple copies signed. Uh, you don't have to worry about that either uh, because uh, all you got to do is drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Um, all right. Before we get started, we got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Callum Smith winning the uh, uh, Super Series for the. Uh, well, actually, let me rephrase that the world boxing super series for the super middleweight division um we got an update with uh, hbo uh or a downgate however you want to look at it uh victor ortiz is in trouble big female fight scheduled uh billy joe saunders in trouble uh deontay wilder against tyson fury does anyone really know what they're making we'll talk about that uh also coming up a little bit later uh, Stevenson, Adonis Stevenson, the, the, the biggest quack quack ducker there is in boxing, finally forced f- to fight a real fight. We'll talk about that. But first, uh, with uh, all condolences and sympathy, uh, goes out to the uh, family and friends of uh, Boxing Hall of Fame and one of the best uh, promoters. Uh, of all time, really, Don Shargan passed away at 90 years old uh, the other day. So we wanted to uh, uh, give our thoughts, prayers, and condolences uh, towards him. He was 90. Uh, did uh, His nickname was Don Wara Week. Uh, Shargan used to uh, promote and uh, do all the matchmaking uh, for a lot of fights out west. And uh, boxing lost uh, uh, a, a staple. Uh, in the industry. Getting his thoughts right now, joining me uh, is uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, Don Shargan, uh, quite the character for the sport, don't you think? Oh, yes. He was so big and so bigger than life, I should say. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah, Don, I, I remember growing up and uh, listening and hearing about Don Shargan at the West Coast in California area. And, uh, you know, 
This guy was uh, was a big, big promoter. Uh, as I suggested earlier, bigger than life, uh, came uh, on the scene and uh, was a constant. And uh, he worked diligently. He brought some beautiful, fantastic big fights to uh, to the fans. And, uh, you know, he, he left a legacy. I mean, the guy was one of a kind. Yeah, there's uh, no question about that. And uh, boxing lost... Uh... Uh, one of its own for sure, but let's jump into. Uh, I, I hate, I hate having to go from uh, something depressing to uh, uh, back to to the news. And the news is, uh, Callum Smith improved to twenty five and zero uh, with eighteen of his wins coming by knockout. He picked up his eighteenth uh, knockout stop in George Groves uh, in the uh, seventh round. Uh, not only did he take uh, George Groves' WBA super middleweight title, but he becomes the crowned uh, super middleweight champion of the World Boxing Super Series, picked up the uh, Muhammad Ali trophy. Uh, I thought the fight was uh, extremely entertaining. But, Sal, and I know I cut you off before we went on air, uh, but, Sal, I, I, I thought that George Groves was a beaten man before the first bell sounded. I, I mean, I you know, this guy just was fighting like he was scared. He just was not the same. Uh, he was waiting for the punch. I had heard uh, the commentator, commentators uh, mention that at the weigh-in, they were, uh, you know, interviewing yeah. both fighters, and uh, they had asked uh, Callum Smith what he thought, and he says, well, I give George Groves a lot of uh, credit, but when I looked at his eyes, I saw an old man uh, yes. ready to pass the torch. And and I, I tell you what, it couldn't have been a better descriptor because that's what I saw. I, I kept waiting for Groves to attack, like maybe thinking he was going to uh, tire Smith out or, or what have you, but he didn't. He was He was fighting like he was embracing himself to get hit, and he certainly did. He took some shots. Um, I, I don't know what to think. Uh, did we see this guy age before us, and, and is it over for him? Well, you know, it's so funny because, you know, when you have that little stare-down moment in the ring, that's why some fighter refused to even look you in the eye. You have a sense. You know, you do have a split second of a sense, like, yeah, this is mine. I see it. I see it. And, you know, for Smith to say that he saw that sign of defeat, in Groves' eyes or the aging process that's going to unfold and become a reality. I mean, that, that's really uh, saying something right there. Uh, first of all, it gives uh, Smith a lot of confidence when that bell rings. But two, you know, I saw Groves go out there and he took the fight to Smith. I mean, the first two rounds were kind of boring, but I gave the first two rounds to Groves because he was active with the jab. He was forcing fights, but he was fighting scared. He had the feints in there. He uh, looked like he was uh, looking for uh, a good shot to land, but he was active. He was busier, and but I can also sense there was an impending doom upon him with Smith just biding his time, classic style, elbows in, hands up, just looking to uh, unleash a heavy shot, and there were signs of that, and then it unfolded during the fight, but... Uh, at the end of three rounds, I had a 29-28, George Groves. And the sixth round, I had a 58-57, George Groves. And then we didn't have to see the end of the seventh round because it was all over. Um, did you think that Groves was uh, um, 
what what was his game plan? I mean, did he did you think he was just a beaten guy? I I honestly think that he, in his heart of hearts, you know, he felt this was going to be uh, either an all or nothing night for him, and so that's why I saw him go out there. He had to be the the aggressive fighter. He had to remain busy because. He was going to try and dazzle him and, and be busier and try to win the rounds. I think he even sensed that, you know, he's just got to be careful not to get caught. And I'll tell you what, when he threw that right hand at Smith and that arm, that, that hand came down afterwards, the recoil, and, and let me tell you what, Smith came over with a perfect left hook and didn't hit him on the chin, didn't even hit Groves on the chin, hit him on Temple. Uh, and, the, and and top of the head, and that just snapped his neck, and uh, you know all things were happening from then on. Uh, he came back with a great finishing skills. I mean, the guy jumped on him, and he was landing fantastic shots. And the one that really put an icing on the cake for him was he hit him with a great shot to the body. And you know you could be taking a beating in the head, but man, you get hit in the body, uh, all the life gets. That's taken out right out of me, and that's exactly what happened. It was a great display, great finish by Callum Smith, and he deserves uh, deserves the praises today. Yeah, there's no question. Um, it seemed like it was uh, a classic youth versus age fight, and and I, I I I I got I got news for you. I was shocked that um, that uh, George Groves uh, was like that. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, and this is right up your alley, so to speak. Um, he had he had a shoulder injury. He injured his shoulder uh, in the last round uh, of of the last fight. It actually prolonged uh, this uh, or uh, you know delayed the uh, Super Series final. Um, do you think that that was a cause of it? I mean, because kind of to me, he seemed he seemed like he, he didn't want to throw punches. I. It, did he not heal correctly? Yeah. Did Did well, you think seemed, of anything? Like seemed, yeah, he seemed tentative at times. And let me tell you about it. I fought with shoulder injuries many times. When I was younger, in my amateur career, my, my shoulder that actually saved my life kept me from the plane that went down in Poland with the USA boxing team. But as we know, my last fight, just five years ago, uh, going in about a week before, I completely tore my rotator cuff. And uh, I had to change my game plan. I couldn't throw an overhand right. I couldn't throw a right hook. I had to work myself in there uh, to deliver a straight, short, sharp uppercut or a straight, short, sharp right behind the, uh, the other punches. And that, that got me the victory. That was fine. And, and, and it came together. So, yes, I had to change my game plan. And George Groves, the same thing. If his shoulder still was not 100% and he felt that he had to uh, uh, compensate, uh, I'm sure he was c kind of cautious on letting his hands fly. And if he did so, uh, the arms or the right or the left, you know, he'd have to throw in a certain position a certain way. So he could have been a little bit uh, conscientious of that, uh, a little tight in the head, and uh, not letting those hands fly the way I thought that he was capable of doing. But in a sense, he compensated by trying to keep busier. He thought he, thought he was going to be able to steal the show and steal the fight which in the early rounds, he was able to just be busier, and that's what won him some of those early rounds. But as I suggested earlier, there was still a sense of an impending doom upon him when uh, Callum Smith would land any heavy shot or any big shot. 
So it's just a matter of time, unfortunately. But yes, I think Calvin, I, I think that George Groves may have compensated uh, to protect the shoulder that was already hurt. Um, just some other news I wanted to talk about. Um, we're going to have Dax come on here in about 15 minutes. We're going to kick uh, uh, Sal to the curb, then we'll have him back. And some other uh, boxing news. Um, former uh, WBA champ uh, Lucas Brown uh, was handed a, a cupcake, a large one, but uh, a cupcake that he took care of, uh, stopped uh, Julius Long in the third round uh, to keep his comeback going. And speaking of knockouts, um, HBO gets knocked out of boxing, uh, announced uh, last week that they will no longer be broadcasting boxing. Um, we kind of saw the writing on the wall. Their last broadcast will be uh, uh, the one taking place uh, October 27th. Daniel Jacobs will be taking on Sergei Deverinchenko. And uh, Machado, uh, Alberto Machado taking on uh, Wandale Evans in the co-main event. Their reasoning was uh, they feel that there were too many uh, other opportunities for boxing fans to watch uh, boxing. And they just uh, weren't able to produce uh, the quality uh, programming that uh, we've been accustomed to. In, in other words, uh, they couldn't land the big fights for what they were offering and they decided to walk away. Uh, we've talked about that a lot on this show, Sal, that uh, they were slipping, uh, they were losing the battle to Showtime, and they fell apart. Um, it seems to me, uh, I agree with, with a comment that Larry Merchant made, uh, and uh, I couldn't agree with him more, even though I'm not a big fan of Larry Merchant. Larry Merchant said, and I quote, once upon a time, we were a promising kid, then we became a challenger, then a champion, then a great champion, and then a longtime champion, and then we finally retired. His analogy with uh, HBO, and I will add that uh, they didn't retire without getting beat up by a young gun coming up in Showtime, even though the Showtime's been around, but Showtime put the pedal to the metal. I do think the analogy was, was uh, correct, though, Sal. HBO, uh, in the business for a long time, ultimately suffering uh, a knockout uh, at the hands of Showtime. What's your thoughts at HBO being no mo? Well, you know, it, it is kind of shocking, and I'll tell you what, Billy, you've been calling this for two years now. You've said this on and off the air to me that you feel there's, like I was saying about the Gallon Smith uh, Gross fight, there was an impending doom lying ahead for HBO. And I, I wasn't really sure about that. We were trying to make excuses for them. Maybe they're uh, saving their money for the war wagon to pull on the trigger on a real big fight. We thought that. Uh, but... Uh, Larry Merchant said it perfectly. Um, he's always eloquent, he's always uh, pictorial, and he's always uh, uh, making a poetic sense of uh, description, which he did there as well. Uh, exactly, but I think, you know, it's, it's clear to say black and white that HBO got knocked out by Showtime. Uh, we saw them slip, we saw, the, we saw the staff change a little bit here and there. I loved HBO, uh, I still do, and I, I wish they were still a part of the, being a player in the field. But Showtime has worked hard. They've uh, earned it. They have their own good crew and a capable crew at hand. And, uh, you know, like we said, you know, passing of the torch or uh, change of the times, uh, it, it happens. But 
never in my life did I think we'd see HBO not come out for the next round. Good analogy, and I'm a little surprised myself. Um, it just uh, it just seemed like uh, they couldn't compete. They quit. They quit. You know, and uh, they stayed on the stool. They yeah, threw the towel. exactly. They did. They quit on the stool. A uh, little disappointing, but uh, you know, so be it. Uh, the only real negative thing I find is now I got to listen to Ro- Mario Ronaldo more. Um, ah, come on, Billy's uh, not that bad. He is. He is that bad. He's the worst announcer in the sport of boxing. With his, he thinks he's funny. I don't care that he's battling depression. I really don't. I want to. You know, not that I want to sound uh, uh, whatever, but I, I could care less about uh, Mario Ronaldo. I think he's terrible for the sport. Terrible. I would rather listen to any other commentator other than him. I don't want somebody yelling and screaming at me while I'm trying to watch uh, a broadcast. I don't want, I don't want, yeah, but he, you know, he thinks he's funny. He comes up with all of this. He's a WWE guy. That's all he is. And boxing is becoming WWE. And it's sickening. It's, it's sickening. Okay. It's not the way it used to be. And it's, and it's, and it's going in that direction with all of this, this hype. And the and the the showdowns and if they want to have a fight, you can bet your last dollar that the uh, potential opponent sitting in the first row and there's going to be some pushing and shoving after the fight. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. Anyway, talk about a joke. How about Victor Ortiz ready to be the headliner in a fight uh, this past weekend and did not be able to fight? Why? Because he was arrested on rape charges. Unbelievable. Uh, apparently. Uh, uh, he was uh, uh, he turned himself in and got arrested on the 25th, which prevented his uh, availability for the uh, card that he was scheduled for this weekend. But according to uh, the police report uh, from Oxnard, the Oxnard police report that uh, back in March, March 19th uh, in the afternoon, um, according to uh, uh, the alleged victim, uh, he raped her. And uh, he was uh, away, and and he's gone. He did not uh, wow. uh, fight, and uh, I think that that's uh, terrible. It's just another, oh. uh, no pun intended, but black eye on the sport of boxing. What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, I'm I'm, I'm speechless. I uh, you know I, I guess uh, I've been having my head in the sand a little bit the last couple of weeks, but uh, I hadn't heard that, and uh, I'm shocked and. Uh, of whatever it takes now to find out the truth of the matter and to prosecute that's uh that's uh that's got to be the path of this to to uh, unfold and uh you know it, it, it's a it's a shame because when you're you're in a limelight or you're 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 in a sport or you're doing anything you got to live accordingly and you got to watch yourself and keep yourself in check that's accountability and uh, i have no sense of the story or no idea what happened but uh uh, I'm sure it's going to unfold, and we'll be able to talk about it down the road. But you know what? It's it's uh, it's it's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. And uh, you know, if it's the truth, he's going to pay the price as he should. Um, some other topics. I'm trying to run through a lot of the topics that we're going to talk a little more uh, in depth on. Uh, but uh, big fight set for November 17th in the female uh, ranks. Clarissa Shields. Uh, who uh, is the only two-time uh, gold medal winner in boxing and female. Uh, she's taken on arguably the toughest opponent uh, in the fellow world champion, Christina Hammer. It's taken place uh, 
on Showtime November 17th in Atlantic City, uh, which is good. Um, you know, I, I've lost a lot of respect for uh, Clarissa Shields. I've gotten to meet her uh, in, in person. She was uh, very grounded at that time, and uh, it was prior to her second uh, gold medal. She's taken on a different persona, um, which I don't like. And um, although she's a quality fighter, I'm looking forward to this potential fight. Uh, I do see that um, Shields possesses uh, the kryptonite for Christina Hammer. Christina Hammer is very um, European. Uh, she stands up straight. Uh, she delivers her punches uh, with authority, but they don't come at you that quickly. I'm not so sure her defense is going to be good enough for Clarissa Shields, but we'll see on November 17th. Sal, I know you don't follow female boxing too much, but do you no, have any, I, I have do you have any thoughts on this one? Do you have any thoughts yes, on this I one? Yes, I do, and I agree. I think Clarissa Shields is going to have too much firepower, and uh, she, she's a definitely a, a professional and a competent fighter, and I think she'll, uh, she'll do what she has to do to win. And I've been definitely a, uh, more of a fan and following female boxing as of late, and uh, I definitely see uh, see it now as a as definitely a great uh, great option to to coincide and be very compatible with the with the male boxing. I don't know about that. I think you. I well, think you, it, I think it, you it, took it one gotta, step too far. There's got to be more quality fighters though coming up. There's and, not. And, and, and that, that's, the, that's, that's the shame of it, right? There's not there's not too many quality fighters in, in, in some of the top uh, top rankings of uh, of the pro professional males, but uh, the females it, it it it's not as saturated uh, and not as competitive because there's not as many female fighters that are willing to uh, uh, step up and do what they got to do to to be be a champion. Well, first of all. Um, there are. Uh, here's the sad. Here's a sad thing. Tell me, tell as far me, tell as far, uh, I'm going to enlighten you right now. In yeah. far as far as female boxing, I agree. There's not a, a, enough quality female fighters, and I don't know if they'll ever be. And I hate to, to set, sound like that, but I don't know if they'll ever be. I but was never. I was never a big good. fan. I was never a bit. No. They're not all good. There's there's a handful of good ones for sure. Yeah. I was never a big fan of Heather Hardy, but now I love her. Um, I, I just she's more than just a fighter. Um, she's a she she's an ambassador to the sport. Not that I think she's one of the better fighters, but I think she's good for the sport. Whereas Clarissa Shields, I think she's talented, but not that good for the sport. Uh, just uh, some of the comments and mannerisms that she's developed. Christina Hammer, on the other hand, is good for the sport, but she's in Germany, so uh, we don't get to see her as much as the German fans do. But I, I just want to go back to a comment you made. You see, this is where I disagree. I think that we do have a lot of talented male fighters out there. I think in the men's divisions, we have a lot of talented male boxers, athletes that are bigger and stronger than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago and beyond, uh, way bigger and stronger. Their nutritional training methods are better. Uh, they have steroids. Oh, no, 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 I shouldn't have said that. Um, they, <laughs> you, you know, they, 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 the way they work out 
is, is you know, scientifically can work uh, uh, specific spot, parts of their body and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, I do think that the talent is there. Unfortunately, the mindset is not, Sal. The mindset, the mindset is not no. the same. No. We've become a bunch of wimps. Nobody wants to fight anybody. Everybody wants to move their, their fighter along like a chess game. And, and uh, although I understand it because I'm involved in the business deeply, um, it, I don't agree with it. You know, we can't shake out a quality fight. Uh, for an example, Callum Smith and George Groves. How good was George Groves? George Groves was a champ for a while. They're calling him an old man. He's not even that old. You know, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is how good are these fighters when they're never really tested? We don't know. I think Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight in the world. He's fought some tough guys. Is he that good? You know, some people think Wilder is. He's fought nobody. He's got one thing, punching power. Is he that good? Uh, can he beat these guys? You know, I mean, it's uh, it's a tough question, Sal. It's a tough question, and of course, we're not going to have all the answers, and a lot of them are subject to our own opinions. And uh, you know, my my statement about some of the male boxing, it's just that when when we had the the different earlier generations or eras of, of fighting, like I said, there were more promoters promoting the sport of boxing, and. So you had these guys in your face and, and, and uh, in the, the household discussions and water cooler discussions uh, because they were bigger than life and they were thrown at you. They were promoted. Um, you know, it's not the same type of promotion behind these fighters today. So you don't know or don't hear about them. And I will tell you this. I, I agree. They may have the better, more up-to-date, contemporary resources for the athletes of today to be superior. But I think there is a deficit in some of the mindset, in some of the entitlement, in some of the, uh, you know, we, we everybody has to have a burning desire. If they're in the ring or they're going to be special, they have to have that passion, that burning desire. And I'm not saying that everyone who, who tries to reach for greatness does not. But I think there's a little bit of a shortcut or a little bit of a, hey, uh, you know, I, I did the work today. Maybe I don't have to do it tomorrow mindset. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we had a while, and I hope I'm not saying anything out of line. I talked about this with uh, one, of, one of the old greats uh, who was in a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, Pat Ryan. There you go, Jets, New York quarterback. And, uh, and he comes in once a year with his family, great guy. And, of course, we're going to talk about our generation when he was a, a warrior on the field. And, and uh, you know, we, we kind of looked at, you know, like I just said, the resources are there. The, uh, uh, the opportunities for these athletes to be bigger, to be superior, to uh, shoot more juice. No, I didn't say that. Um, to do whatever they had to do to, to be competitive and, and win on the field. But, you know, is that burning desire? Are you willing to walk on the hot coals at night, sleep on a bed of nails at during? I mean, uh, during the day, and you know, that's the mentality, and the mindset to do all the, the, the to, to live it, to face it, to to die doing what you love. I mean, that's just a mentality and warrior uh, kind of uh, mindset we had early on, and I'm sure there's there are those individuals that still do, but it, it's not as across the board as it used to be. We're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, I'm scheduled to have Dax Khan join us. We're kicking Sal to the curb so he can have another cup of coffee, 
and then uh, we'll be back after that. So uh, don't go anywhere, because we'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. I'm in the middle of uh, responding to some chats in the chat room on our YouTube page. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts or comments live, part of the show, just drop us a super chat and I'll make it happen. Joining us right now uh, is my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. No, hold on a second. I'm trying to put in a super chat here. Yeah, good, good. We need that. We need that. But uh, you're, you're uh, gonna give me that money back, right? Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> why? You don't ever put anything in there. But anyway, uh, first and foremost, you know, I, I I know you're big. I know you're big. On, I I'm, I'm gonna jump the gun here because of some of the comments going on in the chat room. But um, you know, the Clarissa Shields Christina Hammer fight that's scheduled in November is a great fight. It's putting two uh, of the top uh, female fighters against each other. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love the fight itself, and I love that the the female that those two particular female fighters are breaking the norm, which has become the norm. Uh, let me just say this: several years back, when I was involved deeply in female boxing, the reason that it attracted me so much was because the females would fight each other whenever they never held back. They didn't play the shenanigans that the men fighters were were doing. And it was exciting to see and watch it develop. But then, lo and behold, all of a sudden, we get some talented female fighters, and they start doing the same crap the guys do. They don't fight the right fights. They, they, uh, you know, basically uh, dodge each other. Now, Clarissa and Christina Hammer are not. They are fighting each other. But what's your thoughts on this fight and the direction female boxing is going? Well, this fight I like, of course, because it's, Actually, in terms of um, names, it's the biggest fight available in female boxing, you know, considering the promoters behind them and the exposure, as you mentioned earlier, with Clarissa Shields and her gold medals. Everybody knows her story. There's been documentaries on her, uh, Christina Hammer, on how wide known she is overseas. And, of course, she's been a long reigning champion in uh, multiple sanctioning bodies. Um, you know, they're obviously, you know, the best um, super middleweights in the world right now. Um, both can box, both are very skilled, you know, so it, you know, it's a very appealing fight and it's very good for the, uh, overall, um, exposure, the overall, you know, helping bring female boxing to another level. But, you know, I'm going to be honest, you know, you want to say you want to jump the gun, you want to change the gun, the better fight actually, in my opinion, and a fight that's better for the sport and better for female boxing is actually the Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent rematch. And the reason why, Bill, let me say this is yes, no, neither one has a gold medal, but you know something, these two 
are exactly what boxing is lacking today and boxing used to have years ago. And of course, you know how you said, you know, females will fight each other. You know, they do what they got to do. These are the old uh, expression, you know, bring your lunch pail to work type fighters. You know, they both have outside obligations. Heather Hardy's a single mother. Um, uh, Shelly Vincent, you know, she uh, she's uh, in a relationship, you know, she's also helping with her partner's uh, daughter as a stepmother, you know, they both have uh, similar backgrounds, yet they're such, you know, contrast opposites, and on top of that, you know, what you're saying, um, you know, in terms of how the um, once you get a name and you're building up, all of a sudden there's all these games going on, and which we have seen a few times in female boxing, and even you know with uh, Claressa Shields and Christina Hammer with the antics, you know when it comes to people like you know fighters like Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent, or even Amanda Serrano who recently you know made history by winning uh, uh, world titles in six different divisions, you know. These, you know, they've jumped over to MMA because they're still trying to not only make a name for themselves, but they're trying to make, you know, money for themselves to feed their family. So, you know, and they're out there and they're promoting themselves and they're, they're interacting with fans. You know, the people that, you know, you can sit there and you can say, you know, this is the type of person that you walk out of your door and you wave to every day. And that's what boxing is lacking. And that's why fights like Heather Hardy and Shelly Vince are great. Um, you know, even better than the Claressa Shields and Christina Hammer fight, in my opinion. That's no insult to Claressa Shields and Christina hammer but we need more fights like heather hardy and shelly vincent because you know it's fights like that which brought boxing to its pinnacle and it's fights like that and fighters like that that will actually bring female boxing to the pinnacle and maybe because of their willingness even surpass the way the men's fights are right now you know it's funny i'm just gonna be honest and bring this right out with since we're off topic and and mentioning heather hardy you know more than anyone <laughs> That I was not a big fan of Heather Hardy. I, I remember you and me going back and forth about it. You're like, oh, I saw Heather at the camp. Oh, you want to do this? You want to do an interview? And I was like, ah, she, she doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. But I have come to love Heather Hardy. And for multiple reasons. One, she'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. I mean, there's no question about that. And she has gotten better. I, I thought that her rise to the top, um, uh, you know, was not... Uh, she developed... She developed, okay, and I wasn't giving her uh, enough time. But what I like about her even more is her antics outside the ring. She's a uh, definitely a blue-collar uh, fighter. She, she works very hard at staying in shape. She battles the same things most of us battle uh, on, on a daily basis. And, or, or, you know, I just I, – it's hard not to support a fighter like that. And uh, I'm with her. I, I love Heather Hardy, and she's a warrior – and uh, no disrespect, to, like you said, I agree, no disrespect to Clarissa Shields or Christina Hammer because they're both very talented fighters. Um, but the one thing that Clarissa Shields is beginning to lack is, um, is diverse, a diversified attitude. And what I mean by that is she's, uh, she's stuck in one rut all of a sudden where she wasn't when I met her several years back. So um, it's the WWE aspect of what boxing is becoming, uh, Dax, and it's uh, it's a shame. But anyway, let's get to topic before we um, keep rambling on about this myself. Uh, Smith knocked out, Callum Smith knocked out George Groves uh, to win the Super Middleweight uh, Tournament for the World Boxing Super Series. I loved the fight earlier. I don't know if you heard what I said, but I, I thought that Groves, a guy that I, I thought was going to fare much better, Looked like he was waiting for the end to come. I don't know if I ever witnessed a fighter 
that went from his previous fight to a current fight in the period of time that George Groves did, despite the the shoulder operation, um, that looked so old. I mean, this guy looked old from the opening bell. I thought he was trying to bait Smith in, but uh, Smith won the fight, looked great. Is he that good? I um I thought George Groves was going to win the whole tournament, but you know um, as far as Callum Smith goes, I had always thought that you know he was a top level fighter and that he just needed the um, the opportunity to step up and show. You know, in my opinion, you know, overall, in short. You know, this was something huge in boxing. You know, this was bigger than just a fight, Bill. You know, because in this, in this right here, you know, these two guys, or especially even George Groves, who was pretty much considered, you know, the cream of the crop of the division, due to the fact that, you know, even his uh, his losses were only to Carl Froch and Badu Jack. Maybe anywhere else he would have uh, gotten the nod against Badu Jack. In the Carl Froch fights, he was um, ahead on both scorecards before he was knocked out. And, you know, and he's also, you know, despite the fact that, um, People say, you know, he looked uh, old, like an old fighter, and maybe he did. You know, he's really not that old, but, you know, he's he's been in such a, uh, so many wars. You know, he's such a proven warrior. And, you know, that's what makes it special because George Groves didn't have to uh, go in there and join this. Same thing with uh, Callum Smith. He didn't have to go in there and join this World Boxing Super Series, especially in this era of that coveted O, where that O means everything, where that loss can sit there and just totally derail a prospect, derail somebody on the rise. That coveted O where, you know something, if you're a champion, that you know you're not going to sit there and fight the guys with the O's because you can get the guys that are so much easier you know but uh, both these guys stepped in there and you know they did this because they wanted to prove themselves they wanted to chase greatness and that was special you know uh, George Groves he was on a five fight win streak and over Chris Eubank Jr. Jamie Cox uh, Fedor Shudinov uh, when he entered the tournament um, you know, Smith undefeated entering the tournament. You know, he was um, in with lesser names, but, you know, good fighters, Rocky Fielding, Luke Blackridge. Um, you know, um, you know, really, this was a very special fight. It was a very special tournament. It was something that we have not really seen in boxing, I can name, in the past 20 years. Not even the Super 6, not, you know, not even the, uh, the HBO tournament, you know, uh, middleweight tournament when we had Bernard Hopkins and we had uh, Oscar De La Hoya and, and Felix Trinidad and, and so on. So, you know, in my opinion, George Groves and um, Callum Smith, they really did something in that ring besides just fight. They really set up far inside the sport that I think we're going to see a lot more of. You know, hats off to uh, Callum Smith, exactly how good he's going to be. We don't really know how exactly how shot George Groves is, or if George Groves is shot, we really don't know. But, you know, um, I don't think it's the end of George Groves' career, and I think Callum Smith is, has uh, nothing but, uh, you know, where to go but up. Personally, I would love to see Callum Smith against uh, Jose Uzakatui, uh in the next fight, and then the winner of that, you know, go after, um, you know, maybe Gilberto uh, Ramirez or, you know, one of those guys like that. But, you know, that division all of a sudden has become an important division and mainly because of this world boxing super series you know it just looked to me like george groves was waiting to get hit um i was i had asked sal earlier on if you know a shoulder injury after surgery i'm not so sure that sal had the uh, proper surgeries when he should have um that was one of the reasons that he uh, uh you know was out of the ring but um, Groves did have the surgery, and it just seemed like he—I I don't know—it seemed like he wasn't able to throw the punches right, well. It looked like he wasn't as fluid as he usually is. Like you, I picked George Groves to win the, the not only this fight but the tournament. Um, I, I thought he was uh, a notch above everyone else in 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 the tourney in the super middleweight division, but he certainly didn't look it last night, and uh, I. Uh, 
I, I don't know how much is left in him, Dax. I mean, a, a guy like Groves, and no disrespect to, to Callum Smith, but you don't beat Callum Smith in a division that's on the rise. What do you do? You, you climb the ladder again? Uh, they were referring to him as old. I think he's only 30, right? I mean, he's maybe 31. I, I didn't think he was uh, that old, but he certainly looked it. So I'm not sure, man. I, I'm not sure what to think. I, I left, you know, when the fight was over, I was uh, I was very happy for Callum Smith. He put on a great performance. But my question in my mind was, what's next for Groves? Should he even continue? I saw a totally different guy in that ring. And uh, if I'm Groves, I, I hang him up. I, I think I hate to say this, but I think his career is over. Well, maybe um, he might be 29, just getting ready to turn 30. If not, he's only uh, he's no more than 30. He just turned 30 this year. But you know, George Groves, in terms of the um, the old, remember years ago. A fighter, when they were 30 years old, they were considered old. You know, unlike today, you know, where fighters can be 35, 40, even in the lower divisions. And a lot of times, why do we see that? Is because of the things we complain about all the time. They're not fighting the top names. They're not in there with the tough fights. When you're in there with the tough fights, you're in there with the best names that you're possibly available, and you're in there going against anybody you will, and that's going to take the wear and tear on your body. And that's why these guys age a lot quicker physically. Um, you know, of course, uh, you know, 30 years old is not old. 35 is not old. But at one point in time, that was considered, you know, a senior citizen if you were inside the sport of boxing. And George Groves, you know, throughout his career, he's been in there with a lot of the best guys and, you know, a lot of tough fights. So, you know, maybe George Groves just really is old. But again, take nothing away from Callum Smith and George Groves had no excuses. He didn't complain whatsoever. And you have to applaud that as well because George Groves acted like a champion afterwards. So all in all, both guys are winners and I'm just excited to see what's going to happen with Callum Smith next. I agree with that. Uh, it's uh, he, It seems like his uh, popularity, at least here in the States, went up. Uh, a lot of people on this side of the pond knew who George Groves were. And because of all the Smith brothers, you, uh, you lose track of who's who. But uh, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to see where he goes uh, from this point on. Um, another thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, HBO throwing in the towel. Sal made a great analogy. He said they quit on their stool. I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we all agree that HBO has been slipping, clearly losing the fight against Showtime. But to walk away the way they did and to announce their their uh, you know uh, exit from the sport, if you will, uh, being this year, I, it came as a surprise to me. And similar to you know what Larry Merchant said, I'll paraphrase because I, I want to use a different uh, choice of words. You know, they're just like a champion who finally got beat up. And, uh, you know, is looking terrible instead of retiring on the top like your boy Lennox Lewis did and which, you know, very few fighters are allowed to do. Lennox Lewis retired as a champion on top. And that's the way we have to remember him. We can't remember a bad performance. Yeah, people can bring up a, a specific performance, but he came back and avenged those losses and he walked away on top. You know, uh, HBO could have done something similar, Dax. They could have put on a couple of really good shows and then walk away. But instead, they were picking the leftovers, picking through the scrap heap of the fights. Uh, and uh, it just it wasn't the same. We noticed it last year. We noticed it the beginning of the year before and all of this year. What's your thoughts? HBO, no mo. HBO as a network in general, 
I think we've all noticed, if you have it, that it's been slipping. You know, HBO used to have these really great shows, whether or not it was Oz or it was a Deadwood or it was The Wire or so on and so forth. And they don't even have these quality shows anymore. Um, HBO has always had this bad habit of uh, outpricing themselves when they do things. I believe their uh, series Rome, which was a mega hit, they had to actually cancel that and kind of cut that short and kind of skip to the end of the story because it was so much money to make uh, each episode. And then, you know, HBO... Um, they, you know, kind of found themselves going through a change. Uh, they kind of found themselves, you know, in competition with a lot of other uh, networks, a lot of other promoters, whether or not it was the PBC. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we had these streaming apps that came out. You know, these streaming apps are going to hurt everybody, including Showtime. Make no um, mistake about that. Whether, you know, you have the ESPN app, you have the Design app, you have the Fight app, you know, which uh, we're broadcast on. In my opinion, you know, that's actually, you know, the best app out there, you know, for combat sports. And, you know, this is going to be the future of it and it's just cable in general people are getting rid of their cable in their homes in general and they're streaming you know they're watching uh youtube their, uh, uh channels stuff like that they're watching uh you know amazon fire sticks they're watching uh slink tv and so on and so forth so you know i just think that you know the budget was actually uh, hurting hbo and changing the times and they just didn't have the uh the boxing lines behind them anymore and their uh their broadcast team was kind of faded out they weren't as popular as they used to be so you know they kind of had you know just yeah they had to throw the towel in and the corner unfortunately though what um with HBO being gone, we're not even going to get how ESPN kind of does their classic fights. We may not see, you know, the Buster Douglas uh, and his big upset of Mike Tyson, uh, George Foreman stopping uh, Michael Moore to become the oldest champion in history, uh, possibly the three most brutal rounds in history, Hagler versus Hearns. Uh, you know, so, you know, so much and so many to talk about, you know. So, you know, it's really a, a staple of the sport. It's not uh, not even just a staple of the sport. It's a, uh, a culture, you know, a staple of the culture, you know, around the world because boxing is a global sport. And to see it just vanish that quickly and not even, you know, just kind of fade out slowly and give it a little bit of notice. That's very disappointing. The last time I was disappointed to see something in boxing, a broadcast exit this quickly and so fast, is when Tuesday Night Fight stopped broadcasting. You know, Dax, the, the thing is, is that the, this is where, I, first of all, I agree with most everything you said, except the, the technical part of, of HBO. Keep in mind, HBO is, it's a paid-for service. So, in other words, they have money that's coming in from subscribers, just like Showtime and, you know, some of the pre, what, what they would call premium networks. So, they have a budget to, to work with, unlike, say, the streaming services. But where they fell short is they are not moving and changing with the times. And Showtime is. You bring up the streaming now, streaming, you know, I've been saying that I was against, uh, you know, a certain promoter doing a deal with the streaming service and, and being exclusive with them. And, and that's the only place you're going to be able to see those fighters fight. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to subscribe to all these streaming services in order to get all the fights, unless you, you just like one promoter and, and his or her fighters. Um, Showtime is in the arena when it comes to streaming they are streaming fights uh uh you know undercards they are setting themselves up to roll with the technology when everyone uh just goes 100 percent uh streaming after all it is the same it, we don't have to draw that line anymore and you know you and i've talked about this for years of where it's going to be in the future and what have you hbo was a dinosaur they were like the person that had the rotary telephone. 
most of you young people don't even know what that is. But uh, let's just rephrase it, Dax, for the for the for the younger crowd. A telephone that you used to actually have to plug in to use. Let's just leave it at that. You know, that's like saying that you refuse to develop a phone that can work without being plugged in. A phone that would not be, uh, you know, a cordless phone. Saying, ah, I'm not going to, you know, it's like somebody saying, ah, this internet thing, it's, it's not going to catch on, you know. I mean, that's what HBO has kind of done here, you know. And to walk away like this, it can't be money because they have it. Unless people are just canceling their subscriptions, then maybe, maybe according to your thoughts, maybe HBO is just going to go away altogether. Is that what you're, what, what you're saying? I'll be honest with you. you know, HBO can be streamed just like Showtime as long as you uh, have that package included in your cable uh, package. You know, you can uh, get the app on your phone, and so long as you have it you know, included in your home service, you can watch it anywhere. But again, that's the problem. You see uh, these uh, networks, I mean, these uh, broadcast uh, services, whether or not it's a um, Spectrum, whether or not it's uh, a Verizon or whoever, whoever it might be, you know, they, they make these packages happen. Actually, you know something? The way my package is set up that if I got rid of HBO, it would actually cost me more money. I made sure that the package I chose, that I had Showtime and I had HBO included because of the boxing. And, you know, then this way I made sure that I had, you know, the boxing on both those channels, you know, and I didn't have to pay extra for one. But now now, if I wanted to say, you know what, I want to get rid of HBO, it will actually cost me $15 a month to get rid of HBO and only have one premium channel, Showtime, for the boxing, because that's the way the network has it set up. So that's what I mean by, you know, it's not really so much HBO's fault. And I do agree, you know, with the dinosaur, maybe, you know, they had a lot of things uh, changing at the times. But, you know, it's not all their fault. And, you know, um, you know, when it comes to uh, where the money comes, you know, where they're getting their revenue, these, uh, these uh, cable services are actually hurting them. And that's why, again, I stress we see so many people, uh, you know, just having internet and just streaming channels into their home, and they're not even watching uh, um, the regular prime time. Remember, there was a time where you didn't even need an antenna to get your basic channels two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, whatever the case may be. You can't even do that anymore. Dax, one last question I got for you: um, Have you? I, I know you're up on a lot of stuff, and and I, I, I'll admit, I have not heard one thing about this. My question is. Have you heard anything about the purse split for the scheduled Deontay Wilder uh, against Tyson Fury? I have not. Have you? No, I, I haven't. Um, you know, uh, I haven't. You know, I've heard numbers, you know, thrown around, but I, I haven't heard anything. What have you heard? No what, what what kind of numbers have you heard thrown around? I haven't even heard that. You know, I mean, rumors, you know, I've heard rumors. I heard, you know, $3 million for uh, Wilder, and I heard, you know, 2.5 for Tyson Fury. And, but, you know, and, of course, you know, on the other side, you know, is Anthony Joshua across the pond, and, you know, that's, uh, the, you know, that's, that's the big prize over there. You know, the Joshua Wilder fight, I mean, the... Yeah, the Joshua Wilder fight should have been this easy to make. So, you know, this is a good fight, and I actually have to believe that, you know, whoever wins this is going to be the top guy in the division. I don't care if Anthony Joshua holds the lion's shares of the belts. Uh, Tyson Fury, despite coming back and not uh, having any quality opponents, you know, having that long layoff, he never lost his titles in the ring. He never lost his lineal title. So, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, happens to defeat him, especially in spectacular fashion. Deontay Wilder has to be the man because that lineal title is what mattered more than those belts. I don't even care if they're unified because Anthony Joshua you know that IBF title that he started out with was Tyson Fury's and the reason why they took that from Tyson Fury is because the IBF as ungrateful as they are didn't want Tyson Fury to give the guy who held that title for almost a decade a rematch 
Yeah, well that that whole that whole uh, Klitschko thing was was out of hand, and uh, um, I think financially uh, Tyson Fury regrets that move. But uh, in any event, uh, Dax, I appreciate your insight. And uh, there's, there's one more thing, you know, I just want to address, and you know, we addressed with Sal, he addressed with Alex, you know, just just recently. Uh, matter of fact, yesterday, you know, there's been talk about it for a while, but yesterday, you know, it came out. You know, uh, a Springfield uh, boxing coach, you know, was arrested. He was charged with rape. Um, you know, the, the uh, Robert Hershey, you know, 41 years old, who ran the uh, the Beast Elite Boxing Gym in Springfield, Massachusetts. You know, a lot of people know him uh, from the amateur circuit. I don't understand, how, you know, how this happens, Bill. I don't understand where, you know, USA Boxing is not upping their guidelines, why they're not sitting there and they're doing background checks. And, you know, all of a sudden there are so many claims where, you know, he isn't, wasn't even a member of USA Boxing, that he was just a la- that he just, you know, threw this sign up inside his gym. Um, you know, he had to sign up and they're recruiting 8 to 15-year-olds, tryouts taking place, no experience uh, necessary, no payment, uh, just, you know, with a phone number beneath it. You know, this guy had uh, social media accounts where he was saying that he was a member of the, uh, the local show. Sheriff's Department and the Sheriff's Department found uh, found this out recently, and they just said no, he was never a member of the Sheriff's Department. You know, so 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 how is this? I I don't understand. You know how this goes on. We're seeing this way too much in the amateur boxing circuit. You know, it's way too easy to get a USA Boxing Coach card. You know, it's an open book test. It's usually a group of people that sit there. They don't allow anybody to fail. They don't care if anybody knows anything about boxing. I've been to a lot of these uh, meetings. I've never seen anybody have to demonstrate what they actually knew how to teach a kid inside the ring. We don't know. Um, you know what these people are working with the kids their qualifications are you know if they are they're able to be role models around these kids you know uh, whether or not and again it's just an accusation at this point in time but the fact that this is going on like this you had a guy that was lying a guy that was you know uh, presenting himself as an employee to the uh, sheriff's department a guy that was presenting himself as a member of usa boxing when you know not even credible uh uh, verified, you know, th- this is just unacceptable. You know, I don't understand this. And, you know, this is what's not only hurting the sport, but, you know, we're actually seeing this and we're hurting the kids in the country because, you know, a lot of kids turn to the sport, they turn to boxing because, you know, they're looking for that confidence, whether or not they're being bullied, whether or not they just want to learn something, whether or not they want to get in shape. And we have too many of these guys that, you know, watch these uh, videos on YouTube and they want to open up a gym and they're hurting these kids. They're not helping these kids. Everybody out there, you know, they, all of a sudden they think, that, you know, they're the next Mickey Goldmill and they're going to find the next Rocky Balboa and they're going to, you know, reach some sort of prominence, and that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, when you're a boxing coach, or whether or not you're a football coach, or whether or not you're a little league coach, your job, when you you decide to take that up, you don't sit, you know, you're not offered that position, you decide to take that up, and that is not something you do from the time the kid walks into the gym to the time they leave. You know, these kids look up to you, you're, you're, you're helping mold an adult, you're helping mold, you know, the future, you're sitting there, and you're taking this upon yourself to say, I want to sit there and help these kids. A lot of these kids have no male role models, a lot of these kids have no parents in general, and when they step inside that gym, you know what? You are the only role model that they have, and you know these kids are sitting there and they're being failed by these people. And why are not you know the mayors, the town boards, the school systems, and so on doing anything about this? Why aren't they helping? You know, check this out. Like we used to have the PAL leagues. I don't understand this. You know, it kind of disgusts me. And then you know the guys that you have out there that are really great guys that are really trying hard, like a Leonard Lee from Newburgh Hook Elite, who sacrifices everything. He gets no support. You know, we have. Uh, great people like Sonia Lamanakis. You have um, people like you know Heather I gotta Hardy. T- Dax, I, I appreciate that. I'm pressed. I gotta take a break right now. Your point is well taken, um, and you guys can l- look on uh, the website www.billycboxing.com, and I'm sure Dax can uh, put together a uh, 
uh, an article on this. But uh, support DAX 100%. We got to take a break. Uh, we will be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. To the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Give a shout out to all of our radio affiliates, uh, especially uh, the one down south that my man uh, Sal is uh, close to, uh, WGIG. I want to give a shout out to uh, my man Scott and all of his uh, people for airing us uh, as much as you do, as well as uh, my fellow Jet Fran uh, in New England, uh, my man George uh, from WSMN. Uh, just to name a couple of uh, affiliates that we have. And, of course, all the TV affiliates. We're glad to be part of all of your sports programming. Uh, we have uh, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola back with us. And, uh, Sal, um, you know, I, I, I had to uh, cut uh, um, Dax off a little prematurely, but we were talking uh, uh, about uh, several things. And, um, you know, one of them was uh, about HBO. And, you know, I've said uh, for a long time that, you know, we do have to roll with the changes of technology, but it just seems that HBO wasn't willing to do it. Um, it and, and I'm not suggesting you weren't able to see them on uh, other platforms, but I'm a little disappointed in the way they, they just walked away from the sport. Well, you know, it, it's, it's something. And, and when they arrive at a decision, company like a corporation like HBO uh, I, I hate to make this analogy but almost like a company like Nike uh, when they did their latest endorsement whether you are Ford or not of Kaepernick now of course here in the United States there was a lot of backlash there was a lot of uh, uh, things going on but Nike to make that decision they were looking at their perspective through the world prism. They were looking worldwide market. They were looking bigger. And they they seem to have rolled that dice. And uh, it looks like it's going to uh, pay them back some dividends. Uh, now, HBO, the same thing. They look at a world prism. They look at their whole management. They look at everything that's going on in their, in their 
forecast and what they're, where they're going and what they want to do to change the ship. Now, they may have looked at that whole marketplace and they said, hey, this is our weakest link. We got to do this and we can maximize our efforts over time in these other areas. Not saying that's what they did, but that's how sometimes these decisions are arrived, arrived at. Now, oh, I do agree with you, Bill, 100%. I guess I would have liked the slower, uh, lo uh, longer uh, goodbye period than just cut and dry. It would have been nice to say, hey, we're wrapping up. We're doing something different. You'll be able to pick us up. It would have been nice to have a little bit of a send-off with maybe a couple good shows left. Um, but for whatever reason, like I said, they look at things through a different prism. Uh, at a company, win-loss, profit, and everything else that's going to happen uh, and on a world stage. So who knows why they arrived at this decision. Yes, us as the fans, uh, and as long as they've been around, uh, we would have liked or preferred a, a better departure uh, than just uh, uh, closing the window forever. And you know what? Forever is not forever. We don't know what the heck they, they may be doing. Maybe they're going to go through a, a little low time, lift their wounds, have a resurgence, do some marketing and say, hey, we're back bigger, better than ever. So that's just it. We don't know. But they, when they look at these things, they make a decision across the board for long term. It's not just a quick knee-jerk thing. Yeah, they're gonna be like Floyd uh, Fayweather. We're back. We're making a comeback. We we need, you know. But uh, it's a joke. Forty five years they've been broadcasting, and uh, and and, and to walk and to walk away like they did just seemed like a, a the bully who got punched in the face and went home crying to his mother. But uh, anyway, um, I got an email to read, and by the way. Um, you know, we still read the emails. I, I know that there was a, a void where I got a, a, a bunch of emails that I responded to uh, personally rather than read them online, um, you know, read them on air, live, I should say. Uh, so uh, I, I will do that. So if you take the time, not that, you know, if you want me to respond um, and not read it on air, just let me know. Otherwise, I will read them on air. But before I get to it, uh, you know, just another incident of performance-enhancing drugs, Sal. No, come um, on, really? Wait till you, obviously you haven't heard this, but your no, boy, your, like your, boy Bill, your boy, Billy Joe Saunders, a guy that you fell in love with after his uh, uh, fight um, Man, with, uh, with your guy when he, when he uh, destroyed, uh, uh, you know, Lemieux. Um, and I was a big fan of Lemieux. Yeah, well, um, Billy Joe Saunders uh, was uh, tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug, uh, made a comment that, uh, uh, like everyone else, um, you know, he uh, doesn't know how it happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, here's the thing. The BBB of C, um, you know, just in, for Billy Joe Saunders, he had been tested uh, several times throughout this year, and all of them had come up negative. Um, you know, they uh, uh, this time he says it was a mistake. Uh, it was a uh, out of competition, according to the UK Anti Doping Agency, the UKAD. Um, but uh, the bottom line is they are not suspending him; they just fined him. Uh, so uh, he's uh, able to fight. They also find him for the other issues that he had where he uh, was doing some stuff on, on uh, video 
and and uh, you know so who knows what's going on with Billy Joe Saunders but uh according to the latest report uh he claims that the uh performance enhancing drug that tested positive for was uh a, from a nasal spray that he used when he had a cold cold and um they uh, uh are not going to move forward with it i guess they believe him uh, the bottom line is, you know, in today's, and I'm not suggesting Billy Joe Saunders cheats, though, Sal, but in today's world, the, the, the worst thing about doing all these tests is that they test and they, they hold somebody accountable for something that's on the banned list. So if you're able to get something in your system that can help you enhance your performance, so to speak, and it's not on the banned list. Well, guess what? It's not illegal yet until they catch up with it and find out that it's a performance enhancing drug. Then they put it on the banned list. It almost entices these guys to try to beat the system legally, so to speak. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. I know this sounds barbaric, but sometimes I say to myself, why don't they just say, go ahead, screw it, make it all legal. You guys want to endanger yourself, do it. Just as long as everyone has the same opportunity to cheat the same way. You know, I mean, it, 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 I'm convinced that if they legalized uh, steroids uh, in, in sports, that somebody would come up with another way where they would find a way to cheat to give them even a better uh, chance of winning. I I don't think there's ever an end in this. What's your thoughts, Sal? <laughs> there's not. The whole minutia of, of what's going on in society today and how it evolved to devolve. You know, it, it's, it's a constant, Bill. And, you know, uh, yeah, most fighters that I knew in my era, we, we, we would take a, a nasal spray before a fight or training and uh, to clear up our nasal passages because, you know, that nose becomes a good target. And... Uh, you know, and who knows? There was a, some adrenaline in, in a nasal spray or something else to 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 uh, to help uh, the passages uh, at nasal cavity, uh, nasal cavities. I don't know, but uh, um, uh, it's it's it is something else. And you know, I'm not surprised if uh, Billy Joe Saunders. You know, he looked pretty damn big last time he fought. And uh, you know, you question yourself when you see these big fighters. You know, what what might might they be doing? And uh, uh, you know, he could also have maybe visited Canelo in Mexico, have a burger with him, and you know, it, it could be anything. But um, you know, who knows? I think um, where you were hitting on the topic, hey, you know, will there be uh, a, a, a draw if, if people say, hey, we're gonna let the uh, uh, cat out of the bag and go do what you want to do uh, with using anabolic steroids or so, and if you're gonna wreck your body, your liver. Your heart, you're damaging this, that, and everything else, and um, you know, so be it. Uh, but they're gonna have to have also a a, a program or division that is non uh, PED performance enhancing drugs, because there are those purists out there that still believe in, hey, I'm gonna use what God gave me and uh, enhance it the best way I can legally by working out, training, stressing the body, and resting the body. That's about it. You know, the, the here's the thing. Um, in the heyday, in the beginning of the uh, performance-enhancing drug eras, uh, and they had the big lawsuit, um, a guy by the name of Victor Conte was the one at the center of it all. 
this guy was was the 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 master chemist if you will and um you know they tied it all back to him the the athletes and everything else with the big scandal and what have you fast forward it to current day sports and what sport is victor conte in right now boxing Victor Conte is is the is the spokesperson. He's like the middleman. Basically, uh, boxers hire this guy to make sure that they, you know, don't do anything wrong. No, let's be real. Victor Conte knows how to beat the test. He knows how to beat the system. That's why they're hiring Victor Conte. Come on, give me a break. Anybody thinks anything different? I, I don't know. Let let me well, let's. Well, go ahead. I was gonna say, but here's the other side. Yeah. And they, they, they know how to sometimes counterpunch or counter it. They, they come up with programs to either mask it, to clean it, to, to uh, just uh, get it out of your system. Of course. A drug test. Of course and they it's do. A, it's an ebb and flow. It's crazy. That's, that's exactly what they – listen, like I said, they, 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 they know what to take, how long it leaves the system. The whole thing with Canelo, he was on something to help him be able to work out better. It wasn't going to be in his system uh, for the fight, but it gave him a, a head start with preparing his body. That's why he he did it, and he claims to tainted beef. Come on, um, you know whether he. I'm not saying he did it for the second, you know, for the rematch, but the, the tentative, the first scheduled rematch. But they also know which ones that aren't on the list. Yes, so if the, if you take a substance that's not on a banned list, then it's not illegal yet. Then they yes. realize when when everything when the catch is up. Oh, guess what? This makes you you know hit like a, a mule. Uh, we better put this on the list. Then all of a sudden it's illegal. Then comes the issue of when the testing comes. Is was it still in the system when it was legal or not? That's already happened before. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, crazy. anyway, let's read this email. This is from my man Jonathan. Uh, from the UK, he says, hey, Billy C., I enjoyed your uh, post-fight breakdown of Joshua Povetkin. But for me, the reaction uh, from not just your show, but also the boxing, um, I'm not going to mention that. Uh, uh, some other shows, um, you know, I, I don't compare our show. Listen, I, you know what bothers me? When people compare this show to a podcast. Or to, uh, yes, we have a podcast. Or uh, in this case, to a YouTube show. You know, listen, we're not a YouTube show. We're not a podcast show. Are we available on YouTube? Yes. Are we available via podcast? Yes. But this is a TV and radio show. We're on television networks. We're on radio stations. That's what separates us. So please, don't compare us to, to a couple of idiots that have a laptop and broadcast. If they have bigger numbers than, than us on YouTube or podcasts, I don't really care. It doesn't matter. I'm not doing it for numbers. Trust me. If I was, I'd, I wouldn't be doing it. Anyway, uh, several articles around American media uh, have me confused. After Deontay Wilder defeated Luis Ortiz, the victory was compared to Joshua's win over Klitschko, and Wilder had been given a lot of credit for his win. Whilst Deontay fought well against an awkward southpaw, I don't consider Ortiz a better fighter than Povetkin. Although in the U.S. it seems a lot of people seem to consider Ortiz a far better fighter than Povetkin. Can you and Sal explain why this is the American view? Just to clarify why I see Joshua's win over Povetkin at least as good as Wilder's win over Ortiz, let me compare the fighters. First, I would like to compare uh, records between Povetkin and Ortiz. Ortiz had over 300 amateur fights. 
but not a, but uh, is not an Olympian. Has never won a title in the amateurs. Povetkin uh, is in a 2004 uh, Olympic champion, 2003 uh, champion, 2002 European champion. Uh, Povetkin's amateur record is not only better than Ortiz, it's better than Joshua's and Klitschko's. Luis Ortiz's professional record is 29-1. and Povetkin is 34-2 and now uh, with his loss against Joshua. On, on the face of it, it looks similar with Ortiz because having a better knockout ratio and only losses coming from world title fights. However, there's one significant difference. Not counting the world title fights, Luis Ortiz has fought one top 15 opponent in Bryant Jennings, a world title challenger who knocked out Klitschko, uh, who, who, who he knocked out whilst Klitschko didn't. Povetkin has fought four top 15 opponents, Takam, Wak, Duopause, and Shigaev, all world title challenges. Shigaev was a world titleist, by the way. Um, uh, let's see, I lost my spot. He says it's also worth uh, noting that he knocked out Duopause quicker than Wilder and Takam quicker than AJ. In terms of age, they're both 39 and born in the same year. They both have a tarnished past, Ortiz being stripped of the regular WBA pause. Uh, title for testing positive it was the interim by the way um for uh, steroids in 2014 povetkin testing positive uh, positive in 2016 he was stripped of the regular wba drug test clear cut ortiz uh you know he goes on to say uh um there are two more great performances i fail to understand why wilder gets so much credit for his performance against ortiz but josh was getting criticism for his fight against povetkin um he wants your our thoughts on this uh, first of all, thanks for the email, Jonathan. Um, first of all, uh, let me let me say this. You know, Luis Ortiz was a fighter that I got to call his, some of his early fights uh, when he first came to the U.S., and I wasn't impressed. Um, I was impressed with him uh, as he was making the rise to the top because he uh, um, demonstrated at times that he had some talent inside the ring. So with that said, um, I do give Deontay Wilder credit for beating him. I think he was the only credible opponent that Deontay Wilder has beat, okay? Um, forget his age and, and all these other things that Jonathan brings up. I, I, I definitely still give Deontay Wilder credit for beating Ortiz. Now, when I look at Alexander Povetkin, I agree with Jonathan that Povetkin is just as good, and you could make a strong case that he's better than Luis Ortiz. The problem with Povetkin is he's had a checkered past as well and hasn't fought much in the U.S., although he has fought some top-notch opponents. Listen, when the smoke clears, there's no question in my mind who the better heavyweight is when we're talking about Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. It's clearly Anthony Joshua. And I base that not only on skill set, which he possesses, but I base it also on his resume of his opponents. They're clearly better than Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder has an equalizer. He's got a freakish punching power. And freakish punching power can equalize anyone. Uh, when you step into the ring. I don't care how talented you are as a boxer. If you're not able to uh, withstand or, or uh, avoid uh, a, a freak punching power fighter, uh, chances are you're going to get rocked and go down. Uh, with that said, my money is still on Anthony Joshua. 
when and if they ever fight. Uh, but great email from Jonathan. I think he makes some great points. Sal, what's your thoughts? No, he makes some great points. And, uh, yeah, between Ortiz and Pavekin, I think they're, they're both credible. They're both uh, notable. And, and, and like I said, we, we here in the U.S., we have uh, Ortiz uh, more available for us to see and, and, and be previewed at, to the American audience than Pavekin has been. Uh, they're both good fighters. Uh, they both were good opponents. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, agree. It was a good email, and I, and I just wanted to uh, compliment on that assessment. Very good, and that's how we arrive at it. But uh, I will tell you this, Bill. You know me. I'm still telling you. Deontay Wilder. Yeah, all right. Yeah, whatever. De- Deontay Wilder's going to have his hands full when and if he fights Tyson Fury. Tyson well, Fury, uh, that fight, uh, we announced it a couple of weeks ago that it was taking place in uh, Los Angeles uh, at the uh, uh, Staples Center. And um, uh, it was officially announced uh, that it will be taking place at the Staples Center. So that's where the fight it is on Showtime's pay-per-view. It is scheduled for Saturday, December 1st. Uh, I have not heard one thing about the money split for this fight. It uh, seems strange, you know, especially when uh, Team uh, Joshua offered Deontay Wilder $15 million to fight him in April and another $5 million to fight whoever he wanted now in the fall of this year. And he turned it down. This coming from a fighter who never made $2.5 million. His fight against uh, Luis Ortiz, he did not make uh, $2.5 million. Dax told us that he's heard rumor that um, he's making $3 million to fight Fury, and Fury's making two point five. million. Um, I don't know if that's true, but let's just say that, that Deontay Wilder's making $5 million, and let's just say, for argument's sake, Tyson Fury's making $5 million. Um, both of these fighters could have fought Anthony Joshua and made three times as much, and they didn't. What does that tell you? What does that tell you, Sal, that a guy like your boy, Deontay Wilder, who hasn't, who's got 40 wins and his most payday he's ever made, he's a guy that pounds his chest and tells us he's the best. He's a guy that tells us everybody's scared of him. He's a guy that says that nobody wants to fight him, but yet he found 40 cupcakes that he could beat. He got uh, 39 knockouts, and he's accepting... Uh, arguably, uh, let's just say double his biggest purse uh, against uh, uh, Luis Ortiz, and, and he's going to take that uh, when he could have gotten three times the amount to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, my thoughts here, you know, I, I think what we have to do really is chart out uh, the same time frame that they may eventually face each other and see what would have happened. You and I were right on the same page when we said, hey, take the $15 million, have the showdown. There's going to be a rematch clause in there. And if you win, you, you, you're going to be uh, ready for a mega, mega payday uh, fight in a rematch. If you lose, you're still going to get paid uh, another fight, uh, another big person rematch because you're going to be that much uh, more known and gain some respect in fans. So... You know whether he made fifteen million and then twenty million or twenty-five million afterwards. We're looking at maybe forty million over the course of a year and a half, two fights. Now, 
he's going to get paid. I, I, I think maybe with, with Fury, maybe I, I, I guess that's five million. But if they're saying three, still his largest purse. And uh, you know, the next fight, if it does happen to be uh, Anthony Joshua, and, and you take the five million, would it be uh, a fight that's going to be equal up to pay him thirty-five million? No, I don't think so. So yeah, I think the best, uh, uh, I guess, best earning power in dollars would have been for him to take the short money of what he considered short money at fifteen million, and wait for the rematch to, to maximize his income over two fights or or a year and a half, two years. Now we're going to have to see what he does in the same time frame with this fight. It's and be- a potential showdown. Sal, please. This is it's all BS. All right, it's BS. The truth of the matter is, is we call it prize fighting. We call it prize fighting because these guys risk what they do for money. They yes. train their asses off so that they can make money. There is, you show me a guy who fights because he likes it and doesn't care about money, and I'm going to show you a nut. I'm going to show you somebody that deserves to be in an institution because you're doing all of this. You're making the sacrifices, et cetera, et cetera. You're putting the burden on your body. You're putting yourself mentally and physically through what you have to do to be a professional fighter, and you do it for the money, okay? Deontay Wilder, people can say what they want, but the bottom line is, and and his team was positioning him to create value, okay, so that he could make big money, So what do they do? They give the guy a steady diet of cupcakes. He ends up with 35 fights uh, against bums, okay? And you can make an argument that he fought a couple of good fighters. Artur Spitzka was a ranked fighter. I give him credit for that. I give him credit for Ortiz. And really, that's it. I I guess we have to give him credit for the first Bermain's to Bern fight. Uh, before we realized Stavern was a bum, you know. So, I mean, if you give him credit for three wins, you know. But the point is, if you look at it from a business perspective, that they invested the time and money in Deontay Wilder, and it was all about to come tuition. What he had to do was take that money to fight Anthony Joshua. He was in a win-win situation, just oh, yeah. like just, just as know. you said. He would have gotten a rematch clause. He could have parlayed two fights, even if he lost, into more money than he would know what to do with. And he didn't. So now you wave that, you, 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 you screen that off and you say to yourself, well, what's he doing? Why is he doing this? Why is he not taking a fight? Well, somebody could say to me, well, Billy C., don't you know that he's trying to create uh, more value because he wants a 50-50 split with Anthony Joshua? Okay, I'll pretend I didn't know that already, but I'll pretend I'll I didn't figure that one out, okay? And, and I'll say, okay, you know, you know what, Mr. John Doe? You're right. You enlightened me. He's trying to build value for himself. But then I'm going to say, what about the risk? What about the risk that Deontay Wilder gets tangled up and Tyson Fury can somehow beat this guy in a boring fashion the way he beats top fighters in boring fashions and wins? Now what happens? Does a fight with Anthony Joshua still take place? Yeah, I'm sure it could. I'm sure the demand would still be there. But for how much money? How much money? If prize fighting is about the money, Sal then Deontay Wilder made a critical mistake. He's not fighting Tyson Fury and making the same money that he would have 
against Anthony Joshua because if he was, I'd be all supportive of the fight. But he's not. Now I still ask, why? Why are you taking this risk? When you add that up, you're still not equaling. His whole career hasn't equaled what he could make against Anthony Joshua in one fight. And when you throw in the deal that, that Eddie Hearn offered him, he would be making $20 million for two fights in less than a year's span, and he's never going to make that kind of money. And he's take and he could have picked anybody he wanted. He could have fought Sal Rocky Senecola in the fall and still made $5 million. Instead, he's fighting Tyson Fury. I'm sorry, something smells. It doesn't seem right. And I know one thing for sure, Sal. Deontay Wilder is an idiot. He's listening to people around him that are taking advantage of him, and he is not making a smart move. But then again, nobody ever said Deontay Wilder is a smart cat. Well, you know what I, what my thoughts on this, and and I, I think it's a shame. You have, uh, you have a domestic world heavyweight champion in our backyard, and he's virtually unknown by a lot of fans or a lot of people in the United States. Here's a guy he's undefeated, and he's a he's a knockout artist. I don't care what level his opponents are. And, you know, people like to see that. And he should have been and could have been promoted to where he is a household name. Uh, they could have signed him to mega endorsements. And to see, you know, here he is now, hopefully where he's going to remain for a little while at the peak of his career, they've got to maximize what years are left because guess what? We know there are no guarantees in boxing. So that's why I thought it was a little short-sighted that he didn't take the two-fight deal or whatever it might have been with uh, Anthony Joshua for the $15 million that was originally offered. And uh, we, we'd be looking at the showdown right now, and uh, they'd already be licking their chops for a rematch and see what that could drum up. And, you know, Bill, and this is just what infuriates me a little bit more because I've been touting for years. You hit it on the head. This is called prize fighting. They should make any mega fight like this for the world championship. They should make it a 60-40 split across the board, no matter what, if, ands, and buts. That'll give the fighters enough to fight for. And, you know, it's, it's a fair deal. The winner of the fight deserves to make more money. And if he gets a 60 out of a 10 million, he gets 6 million. And the loser uh, gets 4 million. Hey, that's still fair. Yeah, but you're going to get a 60-40 split for any title fight. You know, I like it. You know, I, I mean, the 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 truth is, is for you know Anthony Joshua. Uh, the reason why that fight is so important, and I'm talking about the Anthony. And for all my radio affiliates and television affiliates, uh, we're not taking a break here. I, I apologize. I went over my time because Sal wouldn't shut up. But uh, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, and and, and you know. I, I want to see the fight. But Anthony Joshua needs to fight Deontay Wilder because the truth, the sad truth is there's really no one else right now. There are some young, uh, Daniel Dubois is is one that comes to mind, uh, you know, that's on the rise, but he's not ready yet, you know. So uh, there are some fights uh, for uh, Anthony Joshua should he stick around, uh, but but not right away. So so Deontay Wilder is, is a, perfect opponent for him the issue here is Deontay Wilder surrounded himself with the wrong team I do give Deontay Wilder credit for being loyal um 
that's something that uh, does not happen too often today, especially in the sports world. And Deontay has stayed loyal to his team, even though they're robbing him blind, even though they're not doing the right thing for Deontay. Um, you know, Deontay still stays with them. Deontay Wilder has been forced to promote himself, uh, doing what he does uh, in his WWE fashion. Uh, the truth is this. One night before he fought at the Barclays Center, um, they were walking around the streets of Brooklyn asking people who Deontay Wilder was. Now, Deontay Wilder's name was on the marquee right out front of Barclays Center where they were conducting these you know, walk-by interviews, people just walking by. And most of the people, I think one uh, added a dozen or so people that they stopped on the street and filmed it, um, knew who Deontay Wilder was. Everyone else never heard of him. His name was right, in a, right there on the marquee, and they still didn't hear of him. They, a couple of people thought he was a basketball player. The, the truth here is that we don't know who Deontay Wilder is. The only things that we hear about Deontay Wilder is when he says, he's, I'm going to kill somebody in the ring. You know, and that's not a good thing. You know, uh, Mike Tyson said crazy stuff too. Uh, but Mike Tyson was I exciting. Mike Tyson was a fighter. And I'm not saying it was okay for him to say that. Don't, don't twist it around. But he did fight whoever was in front of him. Be as it may, the heavyweight division wasn't that great at that time. Uh, but uh, today, we do have some dance partners. You know, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua could have created a nice little trilogy or, or at least a two-fight thing that where they could have both made a lot of money and they will, both would have become globally recognized. Anthony Joshua is already globally recognized. He doesn't need Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury, the only thing they got going is that the, the fact that some people still regard Tyson Fury as the linear champion because he didn't lose his, fight, his uh, title inside the ring. I think that the way the title has been split up as, as much as it has, that that title, that lineage, is hard to keep track of. And it's hard to give a guy like Tyson Fury credit when, let's be fair, I, no one liked Tyson Fury more than me. But who did he beat besides Klitschko? <laughs> I mean, let's be real here, Sal. Who did Tyson Fury beat besides Vladimir Klitschko? You can make an argument. I, I go back to that fight against Steve U.S.S. Cunningham where I watched uh, Tyson Fury get rocked by an uppercut. And I'm saying to myself, there is no way that Tyson Fury is going to be able to withstand a solid punch from Deontay Wilder. But with that said... Deontay Wilder doesn't have the skill set. Tyson Fury could tie him up. Who knows? It is an interesting fight, Sal. It is an interesting fight, and uh, it definitely has my curiosity up. And and like I said, it's uh, it's the pathway to a showdown, and uh, we, we gotta have to we gotta have to accept it and live it and wait it out. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's definitely definitely so. It is interesting, and you bring up some great points with that whole uh, picture of, of, of what it was about. And, and I, I agree with you, Bill. I agree with you big time. It's just very nerve-wracking, Sal. Because, well, it's very nerve-wracking. Yeah, well, it, it, it's sad because, you know, it's the same thing that's going on with other aspects of our country right now. You know, it used to be basically in a court of law you were innocent until proven guilty. If I said that Sal robbed my car, I had to prove that Sal robbed my car. 
And if I was able to prove it, Sal would, would go to jail. Now, if I say Sal robbed my car, Sal has to prove he didn't oh, rob my car. And and it, the burden of proof falls on the, the guy that's being accused, where it's supposed to be the other way around. Well, it's the same thing in the sporting world, in especially in our sport, in boxing. Deontay Wilder says he's great and is not being forced to prove it. You know, uh, Anthony Joshua makes an offer. They say never got there. This one says the contract wasn't there. No date, no this, no that. I mean, come on. It's all propaganda. It's all BS. This has become a sad. Boxing has become sad. And, you know, what's even sadder is that we have the talent. You know, there was a time in boxing, you know, I can't believe people referred to the 90s as a good era, too, because it wasn't. Let's be real. It was terrible. Uh, Calzaghe, anybody that says Joe Calzaghe was a great fighter, come on, man. Come on. He he, he ducked more fighters than a pond with, with, with friggin' mallards in it. I, I mean, come on. This guy, this guy, whatever, okay? And, and the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, in order for uh, the the sport of boxing to be the way it was. It's never going to be the exact way it was. But what way it could be is that fighters fight other fighters on their way up, that the fans don't crucify a fighter if he has a loss, that networks and, and sanctioning bodies don't hold it against a fighter if he has a loss or two or five, and if he works his way up the ladder, that he should still get his opportunities. And you know what will happen, boys and girls? If you do it that way, and fighters actually have to fight, when you finally get world championship fights, and I'm not even suggesting get rid of the 49,000 sanctioning bodies, but what you would end up having is when a fighter fights for a world title, you will be treated with two fighters in that ring that are talented fighters. That's something that's not happening today. We may have one talented fighter in the ring against a guy that's outclassed. And then that fighter that's talented pounds on his chest and says he's the best. You're only the best if you beat other quality fighters. Sal, I mean, there's no other way that you can look at it. I, I, I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand how so many... It's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. The reason why young fans put up with this crap is because they all got trophies in Little League. They all got participation trophies. They don't know what competition is all about, and it's sad what's happening. Well, it is in that sense, and I agree with you, and that's, that's the old ways of how we uh, saw fighters rise and, and climb the ladder of, uh, of, the, uh, of the rankings and uh, getting that, earning that title fight and things like that. Um, you know, it's a different game today. That's it, and... You know, it's also uh, different promoting. I mean, like I said it be many times, Deontay Wilder should be a household name. And, uh, you know, and I often wonder, I said, well, he's in New York. And New York, I don't think the New Yorkers have claimed them as their own because he's really from Tennessee. Maybe if he stayed in Tennessee, they all, all the all the people from Tennessee would have been touting and praising and, and rooting, which they still do. But, I mean, it would have been more of a focus on, hey, we got this local hero here from Tennessee. And, Who? And, Who's and, from Tennessee? No, where, where's, where's Deontay Wilder from? Alabama. That's what I meant, Alabama. I, I got my forget. I'm sorry. He's from Alabama. So, you know what? Had he stayed in Alabama, would everybody around him from Alabama have, have uh, uh, become his mouthpiece, become his, his thing? They still do. They still claim him. 
as they should. But, you know, here he is in New York, and you don't hear anything from his camp. You don't hear anything from New Yorkers. Uh, and, and, and it's a shame because, like I said, this guy should be a household name. He's a clown, though. Hey, speaking of Alabama, you know, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Crimson Tide fan. You and uh, uh, again, I, I can't help it. You know, watching the, the game yesterday, you know, they're spanking uh, the Raging Cajuns, and, uh, which they should have. And, you know, you got to love Nick Sabian. I, you know, they, they stick a mic in front of him. It's 49 to nothing uh, at halftime. Uh, you know, and and he says, uh, you know, how do you think your team's doing? You know, I, you would think that he says we're 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 you know clicking on all cylinders, everything's going right. You know, we missed the tackle, uh, special teams aren't doing it. I missed that field goal. You know, we got a lot of things to work on, a lot of things to work on at the half. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you got to keep that attitude, Sal. And so do fighters. You know, if they're blowing by everybody and they're winning these fights, they can't become complacent and think that they don't have to work on anything anymore because then uh, uh, mediocrity uh, kicks in. And uh, the the sad truth is, is in the sport of boxing, what used to happen is you started off, uh, you know, you ended up at a gym, you started boxing, you, you got into the amateurs, uh, you won uh, some titles in the amateurs or, or did well in the in- amateurs. Maybe you didn't even win titles. You decide to turn uh, to become a professional fighter. You fought uh, as a pro. You worked yourself up from turning pro to, to a to a. Uh, you know, to a to a, a, a young fighter that's considered a prospect. Then, from a prospect, you you work your way into a contender, and then once you're a contender, contender, you work your way into a world title shot, and ultimately you become a world champion. And then, when your career was over, you stayed in the sport. You became a trainer. You became yes. a gym owner. You became a promoter, and that's what uh, boxing does not have today. Those types of people that started out walking into a gym as a kid, uh, becoming an amateur, becoming a prospect, becoming a contender, becoming a champion, or even just uh, getting a shot at becoming a champion, they went back to the sport, and they are considered boxing people. We don't have enough of boxing people involved in the sport of boxing. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. It's the only sport that's out there that all it takes is a checkbook with money in it, and you can become a fighter. I've used this analogy, uh, or a promoter, or anything. I've used this analogy many times. I have never trained. I've done. I've been involved in the boxing business for 37 years. I was a manager. I was an advisor. I was a promoter, gym owner, uh, do this show. Uh, I'm a historian. I, I've written a book. I, I've done all these things in the sport of boxing, but the one thing I've never done is I've never been a trainer. I boxed, of course. I've never been a trainer. But the sad reality, Sal, is I could walk into a commission at the night of a fight and say, hey, I'm training Sal Rocky Senecola, and they say, give me 25 bucks, and I'm the chief second for that fight. Never have trained a fighter in my life, and that's the truth, and that's a problem because we got a lot of rah-rah men out there that call themselves trainers, and they're not. And these are the guys that are teaching these same kids that walk into the gym. These are the guys that are so-called teaching or, or cheering on these same fighters that somehow get maneuvered uh, to a position like a Deontay Wilder. I'm not suggesting he, uh, obviously, he was a bronze medal winner and everything else, but uh, same type of a thing. So, yeah, boxing is lacking uh, some important components 
that we need. And it's not just about guys fighting other top guys. It starts at the bottom, Sal. No, it does. It starts at the bottom. And, you know, I remember when, when, I, was, when I was trained by several world-class, world-known trainers. And, you know, when I thanked them, when the light bulb went off and I, and I felt I, I learned something and it was mine to own and it was fluid, it was part of my whole repertoire and everything else. Man, I thanked them. I said, that's great. You know, I told you this before. They would always say, don't thank me. Just pass it on to another fighter one day. That's what they all said because they were part of the fight game. They were what made the fight game. And that's the old school. Uh, they, they, they were fighters. They became trainers. They became other people, as you were suggesting. And unfortunately, I think, you know, a lot of people in the fight game today, you know, when they either retire uh, or, or do something, maybe the money's not there for them to become trainers, or maybe it's just not there now, or whatever it is. But, you know, you could tell when there's people from the fight game in the fight game, and when there is not. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons why I love even listening to some of the ring announcers uh, from the UK, like I did last night with the uh, with the Smith and, and uh, Groves fight. I love when I heard the term from one of the guys I know getting off topic. He said, and there you see him twisting his toes into the canvas to get the, and you know, that's what you do. That's what you do to get the leverage, to get the fight, to get that punch delivered in the right hand. <laughs> you know, you're not going to hear one of these uh, Hollywood fame guys that are on the uh, HBO or, or, or Showtime or whatever else say oh yes he's twisting his toes into the cabinet no to get no the you get you get that idiot ronaldo saying <laughs> he's hitting that body like it's a like it's a pinata you know i mean get, give me it like candy's gonna come out of it you know he thinks he's funny i can't stand the guy I can't stand you know i don't listen to those broadcasts because of him they could put anybody they could put a mime on as the lead character and I'd listen more than 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 that piece of garbage Ronaldo. And again, I don't care that he's battling depression. I don't care. We're all a little depressed. But uh speaking of depression, I wanted to get into just a little before we gotta go already here. But Adonis Stevenson, remember him, Sal? He's uh, I remember him. Yeah, I he, do remember him. He's supposed to be, you know, the uh, a world light heavyweight champion. This is a guy that has systematically uh, dodged his mandatory challenger for at least four years now. Everybody wonders how he gets away. How does the WBC let him get away with it? Well, they finally uh, are curbing Adonis Stevenson, and he is set uh, to fight um, uh, Godzarek, who's uh, uh, a uh, uh, Alexander Godzarek, who's a, a top. Um, a light heavyweight in the world, 15-0 and 0 with 12 knockouts. Uh, Stevenson is 29-1-1. and 1. Uh, It's taking place December 1st. Ironically enough, you know what they're calling this fight card? No. Mandatory. <laughs> here's a guy Here's a guy in Stevenson who, who has ducked all the best fights that could have possibly been made, and he's finally against the wall and has to fight a real fight. And I don't think he's getting out of this one unscathed. I, I, uh, the, ch the title will change hands on December 1st for sure. Uh, but uh, ironically, they call this fight mandatory. How much of a joke is that? And if Stevenson doesn't realize it's a joke on him, I don't know. Well, What's your thoughts? Well, you just said it right there. And, and you know, 
Stevenson should understand that this is exactly what it is. It's a mandatory. You got to rise to the occasion. You got to show everybody what you really have. And uh, good, bad, or indifferent, you're going to be in a fight. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's the way it should be, Bill. It's a mandatory. I like that. That's great. The, I know they're naming the card mandatory. I know mandatory. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny. It, it, there's there's the inside humor for people like like us that we know with what is hinting, what is suggesting, and and it, it, it what it's saying underneath the uh, underneath the story of itself. Wait, wait. Are we talking about the story of the game of the fight? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That, that that I guess that might have been maybe that was the nail in HBO's coffin when uh, maybe, Max when Kel- came out with- Ma- Max Kelman kept saying that over and over and over. The story the sto- of the fight. And, and what what he's he was winning the, he's winning the story of the fight. And what and, and then as it turned out, the story really was HBO's they're quitting on their stool, you know. They're 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 quitting on their stool. But uh in any event, well listen what Sal what what yeah yeah come on I got time restraints he saw my hang over there (laughs) thank you listen I just want to recap a little feedback I've gotten about the Canelo Alvarez triple G fight I've had you know we we talk boxing in my restaurant all the time and you've got some old fight fans and even last night this, this table comes in and uh, they come in all the time, and they, and they want the food. Then so they're a great, great group of people. Love them, and they know they're fighting too. They know they're fighting. And you know, we were talking about the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight, and lo and behold, pretty much they agreed with you and I saw the same fight. You know, they thought that Triple G actually won this fight even more convincingly, uh, or hurt Canelo Alvarez even more so than he did the last time, which he did win. And that's how I saw the fight. And I still felt that Triple G won the fight. Now, I had felt he won both fights. Then I stopped, you know, I'm on my way home once in a while because it's on the, on the way. And it's a great little place. And Billy C., next time you come down here, I'm taking you over to Benny's Red Barn. They've got the tree bar there. And I usually stop for just a beer. I have one beer and one Coca-Cola and I go home. And uh, I was talking to some of the younger people there that were fight fans. And they all saw the other fight that we talk about. They all saw Canelo Alvarez winning the fight. They thought Canelo Alvarez won the first fight. So it just so happens to be, it amazes me how, you know, different generations or different eyes or different people see different fights and different results. It's crazy. No, what's crazy is, and no offense to the younger people, but it's true. They believe anything they hear. They are listening to the commentators of the fight. Listen, I believe that Triple G won the first fight hands down. I believe that that fight was borderline robbery. It was still close. Triple G took his foot off the gas in in the latter part of that fight. But I thought he won that fight. The second fight, I did have Triple G winning 115-113. But it was not a robbery. Those first several rounds were extremely close. And we knew, Sal, we talked about this multiple times before the first bell sounded, that there was no way that Drupal G was going to win the fight unless he knocked out Canelo. And he still failed to put his foot on the gas. It's nobody's fault in both of those losses, or the first draw and and the second fight being a loss. Then Triple G. It was his yes. own fault. He failed to take it to Canelo. Canelo, on the other hand, 
I give him credit, and a lot of people feel feel he won the fight because he was the aggressor in the second fight. I don't. I still don't think he won, but he fought a different fight. As a matter of fact, Abel Sanchez's his, his mental work on saying that Canelo ran in the first fight and he didn't live up to the Mexican heritage, etc., etc., etc. He ended up making Canelo fight the fight that he wanted for Triple G. It was Triple G who failed to put the pedal to his metal. Now, whether he just didn't have the gas left in the tank because of his age, whether he was looking to counter, I don't know. But the bottom line is uh, that Canelo fought a good fight. I still think Triple G won. But Canelo's body work kept Triple G away from him. Triple G does not like to get hit by the body. Listen, we can spin that any way you want. But at the end of the day, you know, in boxing, the beauty of this sport is that you could take matters in your own hand. You just go balls out and knock your opponent out. That's the only way to have a non-disputable win. Like George Grove's uh, loss last night to Callum Smith. You know, people actually had him this fight close. There was a a, a couple of uh, a judge, one judge in particular, I believe, had the fight even uh, at the time of the stoppage. Well, I had by one point. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is that I looked at that fight. I wasn't scoring it, but as just watching the fight, I'm sitting here saying that Groves looked scared to death for the whole fight. That McCallum, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Callum Smith uh, was a guy that that looked like he was in control of that fight. I was not scoring it, uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. It looked like Callum Smith wanted that fight more than George Groves. Now, the reason why George Groves was tentative, maybe his shoulder wasn't healed, maybe he was fighting too cautious, or maybe he just aged. I don't know, but Callum Smith won the fight hands down. And if you're going to beat an opponent, if you're going to beat an opponent, you got to beat them hands down. Now I'm over our time. Listen, boys and girls, make sure you tune in <laughs> next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!